let's stand all over the house this evening. Let's begin by singing tonight an old hymn, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Let's sing together. Bless those tonight, Lord, that are sick, Lord, that are at home. Lord, we pray you would heal them quickly. Lord, we pray for those that, Lord, are homebound today due to the weather. Lord, we pray that you would be with them tonight and give them comfort and peace as well. We thank you for all that you do for us each and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing. Let's uh, sing this old song, I Stand Amazed.
you Lord we thank you God that we can truly experience the peace the wonderful peace of God father I thank you that God you've been so faithful and so true and so just but yet God so dependable God you have been Lord we sang as we as we sang tonight about your grace it is amazing and how you are worthy to be blessed and you have a name above every name God we also know that you are a God that gives us peace and you are a God that comforts us and you are the God of all joy and Lord that's what Christmas brings it brings peace it brings comfort it brings joy it's a time of faith and trust so God we are here today once again to celebrate Lord the time that we commemorate as Christmas season 
Father, I pray you would bless the remaining portion of this service and help it to be for the advancement and the upbuilding of your kingdom. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone together said amen. 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 You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. So obviously, uh, you probably are already pretty uh, well uh, understand, even if you haven't heard, that there's not a CLM graduation today uh, due to um, uh, quite a few uh, situations. Um, in fact, they, uh, they had the ladies that were supposed to be having their graduation, but, but obviously all of us would be together. And we adjusted times for some of them to be able to be at a, a Christmas uh, party, not Christmas party, Christmas play, I'm sorry, uh, at one of our local churches that they were involved in. Um, but the flu has hit them. And uh, they are all under the weather. Um, the men's house is not affected right now, but uh, quite a large number of the ladies at the Hannah house uh, have contacted or at least been in contact with, if they don't already have it, the flu. And so uh, the uh, executive leadership of CLM uh, decided to uh, cancel and didn't want to expose anybody or make anybody that had been in that house available to see people to do that. Um, they will reschedule that at a later date, depending on the date. It will depend on the location and churches that have calendar availabilities. Um, it was supposed to be the last graduation of 2023, um, but uh, we'll, that'll get pushed into 2024. So obviously with that being said, we want to uh, remember all of the ladies at the Hannah House and all those that are part of that ministry that flu would kind of work its way out the door and and uh, when you're living in close quarters like that 99% of the time if one gets it it's only a matter of time for you're all going to get it and so <coughs> excuse me we want to make sure we pray for all of them and pray for the, the guys house we don't want them uh, to get it as well that being said um, due to the lateness of the hour and trying to figure it out we had to make quite a few ad- adjustments um, to um, the scheduling of program, uh, if you will. I'm going to kind of go off script a little bit. I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Luke again. Um, And um, uh, they may have put some of these verses up um, because it will be off script. But if not, you you can turn in your Bibles to Luke. I want you to go to um, chapter number 2, and we're going to pick up... um, at uh, verse 36, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 36, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna read all the way down uh, to uh, around verse um, uh, around verse 50. We're just gonna keep reading, so just follow along with me. I'll explain this in a minute. Once you have it, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. We're gonna just read through with this part, and uh, and then we'll jump in. So there there won't be notes and an official quote title on the screen per se so you'll just uh, be with us on this journey together now there was one named Anna a prophetess the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher and she was of great age and she had lived with the husband for seven years from the time of her virginity and this woman was now a widow of about 84 years she has been on her own for a long long time who did not depart from the temple once she lost her husband. She decided to commit herself to God. She did not depart from the temple 
But she served God with fasting and prayers day and night. Coming into that infant, she gave thanks when she saw the Lord, gave thanks unto the Lord, and spoke of him and all those who looked for redemption of Israel. And after she saw him, verse 39, Mary and Joseph, when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, their own city of Nazareth. And the child grew up, became full of the Spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. But every year his parents went to Jerusalem, back to, back to if you will, the Mecca of the empire of that day, to the Feast of Passover. This time Jesus was 12 years old when they went to Jerusalem, according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days there, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and nor his mother knew it. But supposing that he had went with the company a day's journey, they sought him among his relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking for him. And so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all that heard of him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought anxiously for you. And he said, did you, Why did you seek me? Did you not know I'd be at my, about my father's business? They didn't understand, but they did not understand the statement which they spoke of him. Then Jesus went down with them, and he came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But the mother, Mary, remember we talked about this morning. This is another one of those moments where Mary ponders or keeps things into her heart. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Or nearby, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Now, notice Jesus is already, we know God, and we also know man. And he increased in wisdom and stature. But the part that I want to kind of emphasize or, or talk just briefly about, and, and then I'm going to go to prayer, is Jesus will always be where you last left him. Jesus doesn't abandon. Jesus will, you'll always find Jesus the last place you left him. He'll always be waiting on you. So we're going to talk about that just for a few minutes. Lord, I pray you bless the reading of this word. You bless the ears that are here, those that are online, and let it help us to hear from heaven. But thus saith the word of the Lord. And Lord, I give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. It's interesting to me that this young lady by the name of Anna is, is, she got married, she was married for seven years, for all of you biblical numerologists out there, the number seven is God's divine number of order and completion, six days God created the earth, seventh day he rested, it was a number, divine order or divine completion. She's been married for seven years to the love of her life. She has spent time with him. The Bible doesn't give us a clear understanding of what took place, but obviously, unexpectedly, after seven years of marital bliss, her husband passes away. No doubt, maybe she thought of remarrying. Who knows? You know, maybe she had admirers. Maybe she had pursuers. Maybe she had folks that were interested in her. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Anna decides not to pursue remarrying. Even though she's by law free of that covenant. It wasn't like she was a divorced woman in that society. It wasn't like her husband ran off with her, ran off with another woman on her. She was, according to the law, free, if you will, because her husband had passed. And 
and she had been faithful up until the end. But for some reason, Anna decides that instead of getting married, she would devote her time to the things of God. She channeled all of her energies, all of her. She said, look, you know, I could be married, and I could be at home cooking, or I could be at home cleaning, or I could be, you know, doing those kinds of things, and that's all well and good, and, and I, could, I could be a part of, of day-to-day living, or I could give all my time that I would devote to home care and homemaking to, to God. And so she chooses the latter. She chooses to serve. And the Bible says for 84 years of life, she has been daily going to the temple. She's been there, we don't know if she's been cleaning, we don't know if she's been there fasting and praying, but whatever it is, she goes every day for 84 years to God's house. You talk about commitment, that's commitment. You go to church for 84 years, and you don't miss a beat, you're committed. You can't get some people to go, you know, eight times a year, much less 84 years in in their lifetime. And so she continues to go... No doubt she was a scholar of the word, just like one of her counterparts, a guy by the name of Simeon. They had read about the story of the Messiah. We talked about that with the, with the, um, the shepherds today. There was a lot of people that knew the, the Messiah was to come, but not everybody knew when he was coming. They had waited 400 years. We talked about that this morning. They had heard this story for 400 years. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. For 400 years, babies keep being born, baby after baby after baby after baby. 400 years worth of babies, and not one of them had been Jesus yet. And on this particular day, I don't know how the day started, but I almost wonder if she knew something was in the, in the atmosphere, in, in the air. I've heard people say before, it's going to rain today. And I'd say, well, you don't know that. Yeah, I can smell it. There are people that say they can smell rain. Now, if you're one of those people, that's awesome. I don't know what rain smells like, but that's cool. Because I've heard people say, it's going to rain today. How do you know? Because I could smell rain. I'm like, you smell the rain? They, and, and most of the time, 99% of the time, those people that smell it, either they're psychic or they're really good, and they really can smell rain because it rains. It's, it's true. I, my, my, uh, I've heard old timers say, oh, there's, 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 it's either going to rain or there's a cold front coming through. And I'm like, how do you know? My bone's starting to hurt. I thought, man. Your bones a meteorologist? Like, why do I watch Rob Fowler? I'll just ask your, I'll ask your kneecap what's the weather tomorrow. Like, I don't need old Rob on Channel 2 when your kneecap says cold front. I mean, you know. And yet, I don't know what it would have been like. But if you've been going to church for 84 years, I, I think, this is just me talking, I think it could be easy to get complacent. You're going through motion. Get up in the morning. Put on the dress, put on the suit, put on the jeans, put on the shirt, put on the whatever. We're going to church again. We're going to, you know, pastor's probably going to preach again. It's, oh, it's almost that time of the Passover, so he's probably going to talk about how Israel was delivered from Pharaoh's wicked hand, and we slayed animals, and he's probably going to talk about how the death angel passed over, and God used Father Moses to bring his children out. It's near Passover time, so I... Bet you I know what the preacher's preaching on this Sunday at church. No doubt if she'd been going to church 84 years, she'd heard a lot about Moses and passing over the, the Red Sea. But for some reason, she kept going day after day after day, never knowing, no uncertainty, no certainty of when the Messiah was coming. But I just wonder, 
If this particular day something felt different in the, in the atmosphere. See, I, I've not smelled rain. And at this point in time, maybe when I get older it'll change. At this point, my bones don't alert me on the temperature yet. They alert me that they hurt, but they never tell me the temperature. But I wonder, I have been in services before where it started out mediocre at best. I'm not knocking it, but mediocre at best. Nothing's happening. There's no, I'm not going to say there's a lack of excitement in the room, but it is not like, you know, a lot's happening right now. But I've been in services before over the course of time. It's as if something changes in the room. You don't see it. Nobody else walked in and said, ta-da, I'm here. But whether it was in a song, or maybe it was just when somebody got up to pray, or maybe it was just a scripture that was read in the scripture and prayer time, or maybe it was in a video, or maybe it was just in a special song that somebody sang as a solo, like Brother Randy and Sister Sherry and some of them sometimes do. But I've been in services where it was almost as if like, unprompted, unrehearsed, you just felt like, wait, something just shifted in this room. You didn't see it, you just kind of perceived it switching. And before you know it, your suspicions became facts because something changed in the room. The Spirit of God walked in or the, the Holy Spirit began to move or whatever. I've often, though in my lifetime, my, my dad has this, this um, for some people they would think this is psychic, he has this thing called bells, that we hear bells. You don't want us to hear bells. We're not ringing Christmas bells for a good thing. If my dad ever walks into a room and tells you, I'm hearing bells, the first question you want to know is how strong they are or how faint they are. If they're strong, you better pray because it may be you. Because the stronger the bell, the more intimate or the more imminent the person close to us is that's going to die. We're not ringing Christmas toll bells and ringing in the new year. We're, we're sending you to heaven. That's what we're doing. Now, if they're a little bit further off in the distance, it means it may be somebody we know, but they're not immediate close connection. You know, friend, somebody else is somebody. And I have seen more often than not, he says that, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. You hear bells, somebody's going to die. But lo and behold, it happens. And it, 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 it's, again, borderline psycho. But you know what? It's, I mean, it's crazy. It's like, you're like, how do you know if someone's going to die? Like, I mean, that's, you hear a bell and then someone dies. That's like, that's, don't tell me if they're ringing. I don't want to know if it's my time like that. Just don't tell me. But he has this, I don't want to call it a sixth sense, but something he just know. he doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know when it is. He just knows if he hears it, something it's potentially about to happen. It can be the next day. It can be a couple of days. It may be imminent. It just it depends on the time. I don't know, but I have to believe that Anna, if she's been going to church for 84 years, she has had some kind of encounter before of knowing what the presence of God feels like in church. I'd like to think that if you go to church for 84 years, at some point in the 84 years of going to church, you've been in a service before where God came down and you knew when he walked in the room. She had some kind of prayer life or she had some kind of, you know, the Bible said she for 84 years has devoted herself. Surely she's, if she's devoted herself to the ministry of the temple, she's opened the scrolls. She's read the word. She spent time at an altar praying. She's a woman. Of, surely she's obviously, they, the Bible actually calls her a prophetess. So in order to be a prophetess, she surely's had to spend time with God to get a word from the Lord. 
at some point. I don't know if God came down that morning and tapped her on the shoulder and said, Anna, you don't want to miss church this morning. But I wonder if she ever knew something was changing in the atmosphere. She got up that morning at north of 84 years, put on her Sunday best, if you will. She's brushing her teeth. She's getting ready. But I wonder if she knew today was the day. Today is the day that he'll come. Yeah, shepherds have announced it. Other people have announced it. But you just never know, you know. People say stuff all the time. You don't know if you can believe them. You know, somebody said, oh, I saw so-and-so. I didn't. You're like, oh, okay. You know, people all the time think they see things, do things, whatever. You know, you wonder what the day was like. And I don't know what time she got to church. My wild, vivid imagination thinks she got to church before they did. Boy, you say that, preacher. Because Mary's got an eight-day-old baby. She's not going to be on time. I mean, the baby's got to eat, you got to change the baby, you got to get her in the car, you, you know, well, back then, the donkey. You got to saddle her up, and, you know, all this stuff. People that have eight-year-old, eight-day-old babies, they're not normally on, time, on 30 minutes early to church. That's just typically not the case. Senior citizens, early. New moms, late. That's typically, yeah, that's typically the rule of thumb. So my wild hair imagination is that she very likely could have been there before Jesus arrived. Don't know what the service was like. Don't know who preached. Don't know who sang. Don't know what the temple order of service was for that day. But I wonder if everybody else in the room noticed the change of atmosphere in the room when he arrived at church. Now, we don't. We know Simeon saw the baby. He prophesies over him. He speaks over him. He talks about it. He, he even... Starts out with a positive report and then tells Mary, by the way, he's going to pierce your heart. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful testimony. Mom, he's going to break your heart. You know, that's not what you want to hear when you first come to church. Somebody come up to you and tell you, your little boy's going to grow up and he's going to break your heart. I think that's not the encouraging word you wanted today. I don't know what everybody else in the room thought, but what? It, wonder what it was like when Mary and Joseph came into the temple. Did anybody else notice God's presence entered into the room. Like, think about that. What if God were to walk into the room in many churches today, would, would everybody notice he walked in? Or would some not realize he's there? Could potentially God's, and this is just a rhetorical question, I don't know the answer to this. But could God potentially slip in to a church service somewhere in this world and not be noticed? Could he walk into the back of the room, but the lights are flashing, the strobes are happening, the music's blaring, the praise team's hopping, the preacher's getting up there and he's working the crowd. But if Jesus slipped in the back of the room, would everything else be going on so much nobody noticed he showed up and slipped in the back door? See, I surmise that I do think Jesus, if he were to ever come back like that again, I do believe there's a lot of places Jesus could slip in the back door and people would not recognize God walked in the room. I believe that. Now, you can disagree with me. Next Sunday you can preach. I just think there are churches out there, they have perfected the art of church so well, they wouldn't recognize God walked in. They just wouldn't notice. They would, they would notice the band's on point. They'd notice the pastor's new 
jean jacket and Air Force Ones. But they wouldn't notice Jesus walked in the back of the room. They noticed the pastor got a new tie for Christmas. But they wouldn't notice God slipped in the back door. But Anna, something in her knew. You know, in 84 years, how many babies Anna probably dedicated, prayed over. So when I was a kid, well, I was a kid. I'm still a kid, but just bigger version. But back in the day, when I was a wee little boy, when after I was born, my parents, obviously like many of you, maybe many of you have done, they had a, dedic- they had a baby dedication. And they took you to church. And we've done some here. You take them to church and. You know, you, you speak life over them, and the pastor or whoever the leader is, they, they, they hold the baby, or, or nowadays, a lot of times, mamas don't want to let go of their baby, so the pastor will just put his hand gently on the baby and, and pray a prayer blessing over that child. I had an Anna, if you will, baby dedication. My pastor at the time, we didn't let him do it, sort of. He was involved, but he wasn't really the featured player of the story. But there was a senior adult lady in our church at that particular time that was like Anna. Her name wasn't. It was Annie, not Anna. Um, pretty close. Uh, but she was an older lady, a widowed lady, had devoted her time to God, had devoted her time to the cares of the of of, of the Word and studying the Word. And though my though her son was the pastor, and she went to church there, while we honored the senior pastor and allowed him to be a part, what we really what my parents really wanted, we wanted Sister Annie to do the blessing and praying over it because we. We knew she meant business. And so my Anna, if you will, Sister Annie Carrick at the time, she's the one that picked up the baby and prayed the prayer of faith, the prayer of blessing over the child. You know how many baby dedications Anna and the Bible probably had seen? How many babies had come to church? How many Jewish little boys and little girls she had prayed over? And how many of them she prayed, God bless them. Lord, let them be fruitful. Let them be productive members of society and prayed over them. Probably more than any of us in this room could count. But today when she walks in, this new mom walks in the room with her husband. They slowly walk down the church aisle and they're trying to find a seat in the temple to listen to the words that are going to be read from the sacred text and scrolls. And as service continues to go, as that baby begins to make its way to its seat, she notices that's a different baby than any other one I've ever laid my eyes on before. And by the time service is beginning to wrap up and they're beginning to do that, After Simeon has prayed over this baby and Pastor Simeon has declared his words of faith over the baby, Sister Anna says, time out, I've been doing this a long time. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't mean any disrespect to any of you mother mothers in here that's got babies, but there is something different about this baby that's here today. How did she know that? Because when you've spent 84 years with God... You'll notice God when he walks into the room, even if no one else notices, you'll notice when he's there. You'll pick up on his presence. Everybody else in the room may not know that Ichabod's written over the door, but when you've spent time with God, you'll know if God's really there or not. You'll know. You'll figure it out. And she, as this baby, she holds it up. Now they're at the temple. It's an interesting concept. They're at church. 
you find Jesus at church. What a novel concept. It seems like everybody has forgotten that concept today in the world that we live in. Christ died for the church. He birthed the church. He was born. And Jesus went to church. Jesus was dedicated at church. Jesus went multiple times to church a year. There's something to be said that correlates with Jesus and church. Hello, preacher. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, now Jesus was out there at the football field and they came around and Jesus was throwing the pigskin around and they all got healed as he pigskinned them around. No. But you find him in the Bible at the temple. You know what that is? Church. Church. And what I love about this story, Anna prays over the baby. And Mary and Joseph say, thank you. God bless you. Appreciate that. And they go home. Just like any good baby dedication, they go home. The Bible says right after that, that when they returned to Nazareth, the child began to grow. Like any child. I mean, potty training, eating your Brussels sprouts, learning how to, you know, make up your bed. You know, all the things. It started, the child began to grow and it began to become strong in spirit. And the Bible says the grace of God was upon him and he began to understand things and he became wise he he if you will began to be really smart in essence from the time Jesus leaves the temple of Anna to the next story that is penned in the pages of scripture we we have this like gap of 12 years of nothing that's the part of the story I really want to know it's kind of like God left us a cliffhanger. You know, you ever watch one of those movies, and you're sitting there, and you're right there at the end of it, and you're waiting for the climax of the movie. You're watching it, and then it goes, the end. And you're like, wait, what? What, what, what happened? Did they stay together? they get together? they have children? Did the guy die? What, what, what happened? So you think, oh, well, they'll create a sequel. They never create a sequel. So you're just left wondering in cyberspace out there, what happened? Maybe none of you. My... My wife never has that problem. She's asleep before that point in the movie. But me, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat going, but what happened? Brandon's like, who cares? It's a movie. I said, I care. What? I want to know the rest of the story. Like they were together. They came together. She ended up getting pregnant. They were going to have a baby. And the movie said, the end. What happened with the baby? I want to know the rest of the story. Was the baby cute? Was it ugly? I mean, I want to know all that. I want to know the story. I want to know the finished product. I've watched so many movies and they leave on a cliffhanger. And I'm like, but that, that's such a letdown. You know, one of the things I least like about the um, uh, TV shows, you know, the NCIS, Criminal Minds, whatever. When they leave you on a cliffhanger, they always let you know. Now, season 15 will start. At least you know you got six months to wait. But in six months, you're going to find out what happened. But God gave us kind of like a cliffhanger. Eight-day-old baby. Dedicated, beautiful. Now, Jesus was 12 years old. Wait a minute. There's like 12, 11, and a, 11 and a half years worth of, or almost 12, 12 years of life here that we don't have nothing. What did Jesus do for 12 years? Maybe I'm the only crazy person in the room. But I'd like to know, did Jesus ever hit his hand with a hammer working in the carpenter shop? If he did, what words could he say that I can't? Because I thought a lot of bad stuff when I've hit my hands on hammers and stuff like that. 
I want to know things like, did Jesus have friends? What was he like playing with the boys and girls in town? I mean, seriously, I mean, did he did he have friends? Did he, did, you know, I mean, I know they didn't do school, but like, what was it like? What was it like playing with, with the Son of God out in the backyard? I want to know, what was it like? Did Jesus ever forget to do a chore? Was he human enough that he forgot to do chores? I mean, I forget to do chores all the time. When I was a kid, you know what I got? In trouble. He's Jesus. I mean, do you get punished for not making up your bed or whatever? I'm, I've always wanted to know. I mean, we hear about all the great stories of him doing miracles. What about the child? What about the, the innocence of his life? What was it like? Maybe he was like a regular child. That would be awesome. But I would like to know what it was like. We've told everything else about this child. But when we end on the cliffhanger, he leaves as an eight-day-old baby out of church. Only thing we do know is the Bible says that every year his parents went back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. So we know they keep taking him to church. That's about all we know. We don't know if he played sports. We don't know if he builds stuff with his dad in the shop. We don't know if he forgot to close the door from time to time. And, you know, his mom yelled at him. be like, boy, shut that door. What do you think? You were born in a barn? We don't know any of that. We don't, we don't know any of that kind of concept. We don't know. We don't, we don't know anything. But isn't it funny or coincidental that the next story takes place back at church? The very next story is the last place we found Jesus in the story. He left church. He was at church. He was being dedicated. That's where we saw him last Sunday. We saw baby Jesus at church. Twelve years have passed by. We know that his parents have taken him to church, but we don't know much about that 12-year span. But the Bible says Mary and Joseph went up for the 12 years later, for the, every year, but this particular year is the 12th year to the Feast of Passover. They're going about. They do their little... You know, ritual, their routine, they follow the protocol, they do their sacrifices, they do it with the, and they do it with their family. The Bible tells us they're with their family. They go through the whole process. The family caravan's leaving. Everybody's getting in their in their cars, if you will, proverbial cars. I mean, obviously it was it was donkeys and travel, but they're, they're everybody's packing up, they're headed out, they get about a day out, and they go, Anybody seen Jesus? How do you lose your child? I don't want anybody I mean, maybe some of you in this room have done that before, and that's cool. I just don't know how do you lose Jesus. Like there's a sermon in a sermon right there. How, how do you misplace Jesus? Like I'm not going to go that route, but but I mean really, I mean how how do you how do you lose God like that? How do you lose Jesus? Now I'm gonna tell you how I'd be. If God had come down and told Brianna, "You're going to have the Son of God as your child." And then Brenna comes and tells me, I don't know if I'd be Joseph, but, you know, who knows. But if she tells me, yeah, I'm having a baby, it's not your baby, but it's nobody's baby, it's God's baby. I would think she's crazy, but whatever. If we did stay together, I'm going to tell you right now, I would feel pressure to not mess this up. I'm just telling you how I'd feel. I would not want to mess up. Like, I would be the kind of parent that would be, everything would be pins and needles because I'd be like, God is watching me. Literally, God is watching me take care of his son. So the last thing I'd want to do is lose him. I don't want to have to explain to God at prayer meeting, um, I, I did know where he was at, but I don't know where he's at now. How do you misplace Jesus? 
and for a day. We ain't talking about they lost him for 10 minutes and then they decided, they thought, oh, well, he must have went on with his Aunt Sally. Jesus, Jesus went with Aunt Myrtle and he's with Aunt Myrtle up the pack ahead. We'll catch him tomorrow. My, I don't know about y'all, that wouldn't work for me. I'm not taking a chance that Brantley might have got in the car with the right person. Because I know Brantley. Brantley got in a car with somebody, but they may not be related to none of us in this house. So I'm not taking a chance that Brantley might have got in the right vehicle. They get to their first stopping point, and they go, Hey, hey, Uncle D, uh, you seen Jesus? And D goes, oh, I thought he was with y'all. Then they go, well, well, Uncle James, you seen Jesus? Last time I saw him, he was in Jerusalem with y'all. Anybody seen Jesus? And the whole crowd goes, no. You know what kind of panic would have set in as a parent at that moment? You're a day's journey away, and nobody knows where your child's at, and there are thousands of people in the Mecca of Jerusalem. You know how hard it's going to be to find your child in a throng of people? I mean, it's going to be pandemonium already, plus trying to find a kid. Listen, y'all may have perfect kids. I'm telling you right now, if I put Ivan or Micah or Brantley in a crowd without parental supervision, any of those three, chaos is going to happen around that room. My mama ain't looking, it's game on. I mean, the reality of it is they travel a day back. The Bible tells us it took them three days. You think Mary slept for three days? I don't. I'd be worried sick. Not only for the sake of I'm caring for God's son, but, but I've lost my own child. She was still a mother. She birthed this child. She was connected. Joseph might have been like most men and been like, oh, he's a boy, honey. He'll be all right. He's a man. He's almost 13. He's going to have to grow up. He'll be all right. He'll be fine. Mary's like, that's my baby. I don't, I don't mind worried about that. They look everywhere. Isn't it somewhat comedic? But isn't it interesting that after they searched everywhere, they, they went to the hotel they were staying at. They went to every restaurant. They've been showing pictures of baby Jesus and flyers around that. They went everywhere they could think to go. And finally, Mary goes, you know what? Let's just go to church and pray about it. If there's anything we can do, we can go to God's house. We'll go to church. And we'll ask God, I hate to do it, but... It's going to be embarrassing to have to admit this to God. We lost your son. But when I don't know what to do, the only thing I know to do is to get into his presence. So I'm going to go to church. I'm going to find an altar. I'm going to pray to God. And I'm going to say, hey, God, I don't. Okay, I screwed this up really bad. But can you help me? And lo and behold, when she finally hit her wits end, didn't know where else to go. Had searched high and low, looked for three days all over town. Finally got to the point, I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to talk to the preacher. I'm going to talk to the priest. I'm going to go pray and ask God to help me. She walks. She opens the door of church. And in the distance, she hears a voice that she recognizes. And it's not only the voice of God, but she recognized her son. Yes, she heard the voice of God. Everybody in the room was hearing the voice of God. But Mary didn't recognize so much as much as it the voice of God as much as she recognized the voice of her own son. Now, I'm sure the first part, her heart went, he's all right. Then she became a mother. I'm going to kill him. 
My mother would have been glad to find me, and I'd have been dead on arrival when she caught me. Everything would have been great. Oh, oh, we're so glad you're safe. Get in the car. We will discuss this on the way home. Lord, leave me at church. Don't let me go with this woman. I'd rather stay in the safety of God's house. Mary was frantic. She goes to Jesus. What are you doing? What have you done to us? Why? Why did you? Where where have you been? As if it was his fault. Like, he didn't get in the car. (laughs) He didn't get on the donkey. Like, I'm not saying it's Mary and Joseph's fault. Maybe they did tell him, all right, son, you know, get in the the back of the wagon. Let's go. Let's, Let's head out. But. But isn't it funny, she's mad at, not saying mad, but proverbially speaking, she's upset at Jesus. What have you done? Like, what have you done? You left me here. I'm the one still here. And Brian and I sometimes go around and around circles with Micah. Sometimes we're like, hey, Micah, put your seatbelt on. We'll be like three quarters of a mile down the road. We'll look in the rearview mirror, and Micah's back there playing around. And we're like, Micah, where's your seatbelt on? Oh, I didn't put it on. Well, son, why didn't you put your seatbelt on? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to. Son, we just. I'm going 98 miles an hour down the interstate. I don't want you to become like flying with me. Like, put your seatbelt on. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of like Mary and Joseph. Like, Mary's like, Jesus, what have you done? He's like, what do you mean what have I done? I'm, I've been here the whole time. He didn't say it this way, but in reality, he was saying, I'm right where you left me. He didn't use those words. But really what he's saying is, you left, and I'm still here. You left me. I didn't leave y'all. It wasn't like I packed up the car and journeyed three days away. You left me, and I remained here. I've stayed. Can I tell you that Jesus never leaves us? We may leave him, but he never leaves us. The reality of it is you may decide to go walk away from God, but God doesn't walk away. He stays right where you left him. They went to the temple for the Passover. Mary and Joseph left God, but God stayed put. And when we mess up in our lives, it's not because God left us. We walked away from Him. And when we come to our senses and realize, oh no, where's God? When we go back to the last place we remember seeing God, we are shocked to find out God is right where we left Him. All along, He never left. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be a friend of the six other. We bail. He still there. Same spot we left him. And Mary goes, what are you doing here? Now, this is how you know Jesus was son of God. Because he was not a smart, well, he's kind of smart aleck, but like a, a, a godly smart aleck. Me, I wouldn't have thought this creative on my brain to respond. I'd have been like, you know, if my mom would have said to me, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing here? I'd be like, same reason you're here. I mean, you know, what are you doing here? You came praying to God, looking to see if you could find your child. I came here praying to God. Maybe you didn't find me. I don't know what he prayed, but I'm here just praying too. Like, we're all here in this thing together. Jesus' response, not disrespectfully, but he said to you, you mean why, why are you why were you looking for me did you not know that I would be about my father's business he, he wasn't he wasn't pot shot in Joseph he wasn't throwing shade on Joseph he wasn't trying to be disrespectful to his mother like hmm, you know mom you what do you think I'd be but I do think in that phrase there is a subliminal message within the message Jesus said why what do you his exact words were 
Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they did not understand the statement which Jesus spoke to them. The point to be made is this. Jesus, though he was God and yet a boy, Jesus, in that statement, what he's really trying to say is that no matter what you decide to do, it doesn't change what I am called to do. You can decide to do whatever you want to with your life, but it doesn't change the fact of who I am. You can do what you want, but I still have to do what I am and who I am, be who I am. Because you and I can walk away, but God still has to be a God of mercy and grace because that's who He is and that's what He does. You and I can... Shake our proverbial fist at God and get angry, but God still has to love us because God is love. That is the character of who He is. What Jesus is really trying to say is, no matter what you do, it cannot change who I am and what I do. And the reality of it is, they take Him as an eight-day-old baby to God's house to ask God to bless their family in dedication. Twelve years they come back and forth to church and there's this silent years of no knowledge. They come twelve years later when they lose Jesus, proverbially speaking. They look everywhere for God. But isn't it kind of somewhat karma that when they didn't know where else to find him, when they went back to church, they found him. When they went back to church, they didn't find him at the football field. They tried, They looked. He wasn't out there. He wasn't playing wiffle baseball with the kids in the park. Jesus wasn't at the hotel that they stayed at that weekend. Jesus wasn't at Bethlehem Burgers getting him a snack. When they were exhausted all that, when they had exhausted all their human strength, when they had exhausted all their human efforts, and they completely, totally were void of thought. They said, the only thing we know to do is to go to church and pray about this thing. And when they walked into church, lo and behold, guess who was waiting on them? God. God was sitting right there. I believe Jesus almost wanted to say, I've been waiting. I didn't know how long it would take you to get back here, but I've been waiting on you. I wonder how many times when people walk into church on a Sunday... God could reincarnate himself and come down to earth. When people come to church, he goes, I've been waiting seven days. I've been waiting on you. It's been a while. It's been six months since I've seen you, Joe. I've been here all along. I've been waiting on you to come back. Still here. I wonder how many times people walk into a church all across this nation and their world's falling apart and they come to the altar, Brother Larry, and they want the pastor to pray and their marriage is falling apart and they're about to lose their job and all hell's breaking loose and they Pastor, I don't know what to do. I wonder how many times Jesus wants to just be sitting on the side going, I've been, I've been here for the last 30 years. I remember when you were 20 years old and you gave your heart to me 20 years ago, but for the last 30 years you got out there into the world and you started, you married this girl and you married that guy and you got out. And for the last 30 years, Jonah, you've been running and running and running and running. But now when all your world's falling apart 30 years later and all hell's breaking loose and you're trying to figure out what to do, I just, I just want to let you know, Joe, I've, I've been right here. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you to come back. You can run from God for 50 years. But if you come back to his house and to his presence, I wonder if God 
is in his mindset going, I've been here all along. I've been waiting on you. Thankfully, it only took Mary and Joseph three days. How many people are in this world right now, they've been running for God for years. They've misplaced God for years. They once had a, a form of godliness. They once had a form of religion. There are people all across this nation once were in a church playing music, singing in church, teaching Sunday school classes, serving in church, and then some, the cares of life, something derailed them. And for now years, they've been out there doing whatever. But when their world comes crashing down and they get to their wits end, Brother Wayne, what's going to happen, and I'm not no prophet by any stretch, but when their world falls apart and all hell breaks, they don't know what's going to happen is one day they're going to walk into somebody, even if it's not here, they're going to walk into somebody's church and go, I need help. I don't know what's happened. My world's falling apart. The last 30 years have been hell in a handbasket. They're going to they're look to the church for help. Jesus is going to be there going, I've been waiting on you. I've been here all along. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? Did you not know that when you get tired of running and you get tired of doing it on your own, if you just come to me, come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Did you, did you not know? Just, I'm right here. Isn't that what and then I'm going to pray, Miss Carol, as you make your way. Isn't that what the magic of Christmas is really all about? Yeah, we call him Emmanuel, God with us. He is. But one of the things I love about the story of Christmas, even though I know technically 12-year-old Jesus in the temple is not Christmas, but when you tie it with Anna, if you leave Jesus at church from the day you got saved and you decide to go walk in the ways of this world, you come back to church, you'll find Jesus right where you left him. He never bailed. He's right where you left him. Jesus never wa watched somebody walk into church and say, God, I need you. And he goes, no, you walked out on me. I'm done with you. I ain't doing nothing with you. Never. Never. The magic of Christmas is whenever you need him, you can find him. He's right where you left him. Sure, Jesus could have tried to Chase the caravan down because he might have known the general route to get home. But he didn't. He stayed at church. Sure, he could have went with some of his buddies and went gallivanting across town and got into mischief. But he didn't. He stayed at church. Sure, he could have got out there and done all kinds of craziness. But he didn't. He stayed at God's house. You and I can go out there and get in all kinds of craziness we want to. But when we're tired of that crazy life, when we come back to God's house, guess what? There's going to be a guy by the name of Jesus going to be there too going, Hey, I've been waiting on you to come back. I've been waiting on you. I've been sitting here for days, weeks, months, years. Good seeing you again, buddy. He's always welcoming with open arms. Whether you've ran for five minutes five days, five hours, five years, 50 years, no matter how far you run away from him, when you decide to stop doing it on your own and you come back to him and you come back to his house, you come back to his presence, you're going to find a God that's going to be waiting on you. That's what makes Christmas so special. Sure, we get gifts. Sure, we get to do all kinds of stuff. But what makes it special is Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. 
Every day. He's always given something to us. Life, hope, strength, joy, peace. He's always given. In the dog days of summer in August, God is still giving blessing after blessing after blessing. Brother Larry and I had a discussion not too long ago. We were talking about just jobs and we are talking about the chaos of jobs and we are talking about just you know, constantly you know, jobs are this and that and you never know and this, that and the other. And we were sitting there talking and we both came to the realization we said, you know what, but thank God we got jobs. It may not be what we always like, but thank God we got jobs because God keeps on giving. It may not be ideal. We may not always like everything we get, but it's still a blessing in and of itself. So this Christmas season when you're out and about and you're doing whatever you're doing, Hustle and bustle and chaos. Remember, wherever you leave Jesus, that's where you'll find him when you're looking for him again. No, he's not in a manger. Mary didn't leave him in the manger. Mary took him home. Mary left him at the temple. When she went back and found him, she didn't leave him at the temple a second time. She took him home. You can take Jesus home with you too. You don't have to leave him in church. You don't have to leave him at an altar. You don't have to leave him on a painting on a wall or a figurine on a nativity scene, a nativity set. You can take Jesus in your heart home. You can take him home with you. And what's so good is if Miss Ann takes Jesus home, she's not the only one that gets to do it. Brother Window gets to take Jesus home too if he wants. Or Brother Storm can take Jesus home if he wants. Or Sister Brenda gets to take Jesus home. Not one person gets to take it. Anybody who's serving will, they, you can take Jesus home with you too. You may not take Brianna home with you because that may not be who you should take home. For the right price, we may could discuss it. But overall, that's not who you take home. You take the person you were with home. But I don't have to decide whether or not, well, if Brother Mike takes Jesus guess I'm out of luck. I don't get to take him home this week. No. Brother Mike can walk out of church tonight. He takes Jesus home with him and takes it back to Miss Glenn who's not feeling well. He can take Jesus home with him, but when I walk out of here, I don't have to worry about, well, Brother Mike got Jesus. I guess Brother James, I'm going to have to live without Jesus this week. I'm on my own. No. I get to take Jesus home with me too. And you get to take him home with you. Brother Dennis gets to take him home and Brother Wayne gets to say, we all get to take him home. Don't leave him take him with you. Let's pray. Eternal Father, thank you. God, that we have the promise that you never leave nor forsake. You are always near and dear to our hearts. Magic Christmas, the excitement of Christmas is that, yes, you came, but God, you are abiding with us. Help us today to realize that the story of Christmas is alive and well don't have to leave you where we found you but we can take you with us everywhere we go Father tonight I pray that for every man, woman, boy or girl under the sound of my voice that has been in this house today Father I pray that you will have encouraged them today through your word you will have let God the words that have been spoken in this house today feed them spiritually and help them spiritually to make it another week another day and another moment Father I pray today that when we leave this place we can truly say it was good to be in your house Father may you bless us and keep us may you make your face shine upon us 
and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us and give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And may the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All of God's people together said amen. Amen. Let me just make a quick announcement real quick before I have Brother uh, Mike close our benedictory prayer. Don't forget, regular slate of midweek service this week. Nothing changes on that end. Sunday morning, uh, regular service, a Sunday school, Sunday morning worship service at 11. Candlelight communion uh, version of that. No p.m. service on Christmas Eve due to just the mask number of folks out. So there won't be a 5 o'clock Christmas Eve service. We'll do it all at 11 together. Uh, there's a lot of folks going to be traveling. Uh, I know Brother Larry and Sister Jennifer may be gone, and others are going to be gone traveling and sightseeing the world and celebrating Christmas in various places. And so if we don't see you before next Sunday because of your travel, uh, let me and, and Brianna and my family wish you all a very Merry Christmas. For those of you that won't be here, hope that you have safe journeys, safe passage, and you are safe on your holidays. Hopefully you uh, uh, are excited about that that opportunity to go, but be safe coming back, and uh, hopefully uh, no issues. And uh, for those of you that are here in town, we'll have service uh, Sunday morning, and then uh, you'll break for the Christmas season as well. So that being said, I'm going to ask Brother Mike to close us out in prayer, and uh, God bless you. We'll, we'll see you next week. Brother Mike.